0: I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. How many know that you're in a good place tonight? You're with God's people in His presence. And that's right where you should be, is in the will of God. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11. And I feel a confirmation in my spirit. Even as we sang this song about God turning our sorrow into joy. I felt the cry of a wounded soul that I believe God wants to minister specifically to tonight. How many will preach with me? I do want to say this. I want to thank everyone from the bottom of my heart for all the phone calls and, and uh, the cards and all the nice things, meals even, uh, for Clergy Appreciation Month. Thank you from the bottom of my heart, for me and my family. We love you very much and appreciate all of you. And, uh, and I am overwhelmed with all of the kind expressions. And uh, we genuinely love each and every one of you. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 2. And we're going to read several scriptures together. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? a reed shaken with the wind. But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet, yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. I'd like to preach tonight from this title go and show John again go and show John again if you're going to preach with me tonight would you put your Bibles down and would you lift up your hands and could we just invite the Holy Ghost into the remainder of this service dear Lord we've danced we have shouted we've worshiped we've been demonstrative Lord But I pray right now that our hearts and our minds would be engaged with your word, God. And that it would impact us in a way. Minister to somebody. Help me as your humble servant to deliver this, God. That it would be more than just another sermon. But, Lord, that you would help me to speak right into somebody's circumstance tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray all of these things. Someone said, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. Thank you for worshiping. You may be seated. In those final moments, just as Jesus is about to walk the Via Dolorosa, he is about to go into the Garden of Gethsemane and weep tears of blood and pay the ultimate price for you and I, we come on the scene of what we often refer to as the Last Supper. In many ways, it was a beautiful scene, a tender scene, but in that moment, Jesus begins to look at His closest disciples, His inner circle, and He says... To them, one of you is about to betray me. And I can just imagine the hushed silence that must have spread over that room. The suspicious minds as they glanced at one another, wondering who would be the one. Surely, nobody who's this close to Jesus. Surely, no one in this room would betray our Lord and our Saviour. And as they look around wondering who it would be, they all began to give verbal expressions of support for Jesus. Lord, surely you know that I would never betray you. Surely you know that that would never happen. But you see, it's easy to make promises in a warm upper room after being fed a good meal. It's easy to make promises to God in the comfort of a church service, when the choir's been singing and The anointing has been going forth from the praise team because God inhabits the praises of His people. And so when we gather together as God's people, there's a feeling of euphoria that comes upon us when we begin to engage God with our praise and our worship. And and we feel as though we would never turn our backs on God. Surely nobody in this room would ever turn their back on Jesus and betray Him. But, But when you leave, the confines of a church service, and you walk out into a cold world that is full of sin and full of betrayal. In those dark moments, sometimes we find ourselves slipping. Nobody's looking and nobody's watching and the choir's not singing and the preacher's not preaching and nobody's there to lay their hand on us in prayer. And it's in those moments, if we're not careful, that we'll find ourselves backsliding from the things that we know to be true and we know to be right. It's easy in an upper room looking in the eyes of Jesus, looking into those compassionate eyes. It's easy in those moments to say, Lord, you know that I would never betray you. And yet we know because we have the advantage of hindsight that Peter did indeed betray Jesus. We know that Judas Iscariot did indeed betray Jesus. Jesus. It was Simon Peter, the one who so vehemently looked at Jesus and said, Lord, you know that I would rather die than betray you. It was that same man who stood outside of the Sanhedrin and said, I don't even know who this man Jesus is with cursing on his lips. And then he realized in that dark moment that He had indeed done something unspeakable. And he left and he began to weep as he thought of how he had disgraced his Lord. So, if you're here tonight and you're feeling depressed, if you're struggling with doubt or fear, if you're fighting feelings of discouragement, then you're in good company. I don't know where this idea came from in the Christian world that good Christians never face feelings Of discouragement, but wherever it came from, we need to send it back because it's broken and it doesn't work. The very best of people can get discouraged. Any of us could wind up fighting discouragement before the sun rises on another day. Discouragement can overtake you in an instant. One phone call can change your life forever. Knowing God does not make you immune to feelings of discouragement and disappointment. David said, my foot almost slipped when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Elijah called down fire from heaven. And just a few short hours later, he was saying, God, why don't you just kill me? I don't have anything left to live for. Job cursed the very day that he was born, the most righteous man that lived in his time. Moses tried one time and then gave up for 40 years until God set a bush on fire and called him back and said, Moses, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. You're in good company tonight if you're battling depression and fighting discouragement it doesn't mean that you're not spiritual hear this preacher it doesn't mean that you're not anointed it doesn't mean that you don't love the Lord it doesn't mean that God is through with you it doesn't diminish your ability to fight the battle and win and you're certainly not alone you're in good company because those that have gone before you have battled the same battles and come through on the other side Mm. Any Christian who tells you that they've never battled doubt, that they've never battled fear, that they've never battled discouragement, depression is not telling you the truth. Because even the very best get discouraged at times. Jesus said that John was the greatest of the prophets. That's an incredible statement for Jesus to make because if you open up the pages of the Old Testament, you're going to see some some powerful men of God, the great, prophets of old that jesus said that john the baptist was greater than the fiery elijah greater than the powerful elisha greater than the eloquent isaiah greater than the weeping jeremiah greater than the visionary ezekiel greater than the foreteller of the future daniel and yet john out of all of those prestigious prophets was the greatest ever born With his own hands we see that it was John the Baptist who buried Jesus in the waters of baptism. He saw the heavens open with his own eyes and he heard with his own ears as the voice of God said, behold my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was John the Baptist who saw with his own eyes the dove descending from heaven as the symbol of the spirit of God. This was a mighty prophet indeed. This was a man among men. This was a preacher among preachers. John Have the awesome responsibility of introducing the Messiah. Think of it the Messiah to the world. It was John the Baptist who declared, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Does anybody understand the magnitude, the time and space that John the Baptist occupied? He was a man among men who saw the Son of God when others just saw a humble rabbi when others just saw a humble teacher A man from Nazareth Not a place of any repute They, they saw a man who came from a humble home Just a carpenter's son A, a mother who many people doubted that, that she really was of good reputation there, there was a lot of gossip about Mary There was a lot of people who whispered and talked behind her back They, they weren't sure of her story we, We've never heard of a virgin birth And, and this is just the crazy son jesus but john the baptist as a prophet of god looked as jesus stepped he to Baha, into the jordan river and he saw the messiah when others could not realize what was happening Even the religious leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the teachers and the megachurch pastors of the day. They just saw another crazy prophet out there. But John the Baptist, he realized something was happening. What a preacher John must have been. His church wasn't located just south of Atlanta off of a busy intersection. He preached out in the wilderness, usually down by a river bank. He preached the same sermon over and over again. He didn't have a new fancy message or a new text every time he stepped into the pulpit. He had one sermon, and it was a sermon of repentance. He said, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he woke up the next morning, and he ate some locust and honey while everybody called him crazy and he went down by a riverbank and said repent the kingdom of heaven is at hand he didn't put together another fancy oratorical message that could move somebody he didn't put together a song that would get somebody tickled until they danced he didn't put together a few words that would get somebody off their cell phone in church oh no he was a man of God who said thus saith The Lord. All of Jerusalem knew his name. And they were touched by his ministry. So great was his ministry that years and years and years later, the Apostle Paul, in his missionary travels, came upon a group of men who were still faithful to John the Baptist's teaching. And they had heard of no other. That's the kind of preacher that he was. And yet even in his brightest hour, John preached, speaking of Jesus, that he must increase and I must decrease. But it's easy to say something like that. When everybody knows your name, it's easy to say things like, He must increase and I must decrease when your name is on the billboard when you're driving out of Jerusalem and going to the wilderness revival. It's easy to say things like, He must increase and I must decrease when people are coming out by the thousands to hear your prophetic message. It's easy to say, He must increase. And I must decrease when Jesus himself steps out and humbles himself underneath your ministry. But it's another story when you're sitting in a Roman prison cell. It's a little harder to feel encouraged when your following has dwindled down to two... Disciples, it's a little more difficult to encourage yourself in the Lord when you're rattling a prison door and nobody answers. It's a little bit harder to feel the joy of the Lord when you pray that you'll be delivered. And the answer doesn't seem to come. When days have turned into months of suffering, Discouragement can come to even the greatest prophet of all time. Who am I to think that I would be above the pain of discouragement? And so, in the midst of what appears to be his greatest moment of depression, John calls. His two remaining disciples And says I need you to go To Jesus And find him Listen to me closely Because I I need you to ask him this question And I want you to come back to me with his answer Listen to me now I want you to ask him Jesus Are you really The Messiah Or should we wait for another This wasn't a new convert. No, no. This was the greatest prophet that ever lived. Said so I need you to ask this question. Are you the one that I've been saying that you are for all of these years? You know what he was really asking? He was really asking this. Jesus Has my whole life been wasted on something fake? Or are you the real thing? Jesus, have I wasted my life? Have I wasted my time? Have I wasted my energy? Have I wasted my resources? Am I suffering for nothing? Am I in this prison for no good reason? Are you the Messiah? Or should we look for another? John was literally questioning his whole identity as a human being. Everything that he had ever said. Everything that he had ever lived for from a young boy. His mother Elizabeth knew that the Holy Ghost had leaped inside of her even at his birth. Something was different about this child. He knew from the day of his birth that something, the hand of God was upon him. And he heard the voice that nobody else could hear. His own father heard the voice. He knew that he was called to wander in the wilderness. He knew that people thought he was strange. He was a human being just like you and I are a human being. There must have been times where he wondered, Lord, why can't I wear a nice suit like the Pharisees wear? Why can't I live in a mansion like they live in? Why do I have to wander in the wilderness preparing the way? A lonely existence. A lonely existence and here I am at the end of my days and I'm wondering, Jesus, was it all worth it? Was it all for naught? It sounds awful to say it out loud, but it's right there on the pages of the Holy Bible. John doubted, if only for an instant, that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here he was, the great baptizer, the one who declared, behold the lamb, the one who saw the heavens opened and heard the voice of God. But now in this moment, he was so deep in doubt and despair that he sent messengers wondering, are you really the one? Are you really the one? I said all of that to help somebody here tonight understand That discouragement can happen to the very best of people. Preacher, why would you take so much time to do that? I'll tell you why. Because when you find yourself in a moment of despair, when you find yourself in a moment of depression, and you feel the pressure To put on a fake smile and you feel the pressure to pretend like everything is okay. What happens is you find yourself in a place of isolation. And isolation is the devil's playground. Because if the devil can isolate you, he can begin to whisper in your ear. And that's when he'll try to convince you that you're worthless. And he'll try to convince you that you're nobody. And he'll try to convince you that you'll never feel joy again. And he'll try to tell you that you'll never have victory again. And he'll try to tell you you'll never run the aisles again. You'll never speak in tongues again. You'll never see another miracle. If you're not careful, you'll find yourself believing the lies of the enemy. But when you recognize that it's the human condition, that the kingdom would suffer violence, but that the violent don't have to put up with it. Oh, somebody's about to get that in Jesus' name. I said the kingdom suffereth violence, but that shouldn't intimidate the kingdom because the kingdom doesn't have to sit down and take it anymore. The kingdom can take it by force and say, Devil, I don't have to listen to you anymore. Devil, I don't have to do that anymore. Devil, I don't have to stay here anymore. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now. Come on, somebody shouting to God. Come on, you may be in a prison cell. Come on, Paul. Come on, Silas. Go ahead and shout. Go ahead and shout. Go ahead and sing. Go ahead and clap. Go ahead and praise Him, Paul. Mm -mm -mm. The Lord spoke to me very clearly this week. More than one person here, and I know this isn't our biggest crowd of the week, but more than one person here has been going through an intense time of doubting your entire way of life, your faith in God, the things that you've committed to, the things that you've sacrificed. And because you find yourself in a moment of loneliness and isolation, Now you feel things shaking in your spirit. And you find yourself crying out to Jesus. Jesus, are you really the answer that I've always believed? Are you really my savior? Are you really the friend that sticks closer than a brother? Are you really the precious rose of Sharon? Are you really the lily of the valley Because right now I'm in a valley and I don't see the lilies that I want to see. And I feel alone. I'm preaching to that person tonight. I think the first thing I want to draw your attention to is how Jesus responded to John's disciples. Notice when they came to Jesus and dutifully did exactly what John told them to do they asked Jesus the question and if I was just thinking in my own humanity if I was just thinking uh, in my own humanity I would think that Jesus might would have been uh, it might would have been understandable if Jesus would have given a soft rebuke maybe even a stern rebuke John uh, you've seen miracles. and You're the one who baptized me, John. And and, and you've heard the things. And, and you know how the water was turned to wine. And, and you've even seen blind people healed. And you've even seen the lame. Their legs were healed right before your very eyes. You, you've heard my teaching. You understand. You know the signs of the times. You've heard the voice of God from the time you were a small boy. I could understand if Jesus would have given a little bit of a gentle rebuke and sent it back and said, John, Snap out of it. You know what's happening here, but that's not what Jesus did. Instead, Jesus began to unleash an earthquake of miracles. Signs and wonders. He began to open blind eyes. He began to unstop deaf ears. He caused the lame to walk and he cleansed some lepers and even the dead were raised. And he began to preach the gospel to the poor. And he did all of these things before the eyes of those disciples. And he said, Now I want you to go and show John again. I want you to tell him about all. All of these things that I just did. And I want you to tell him everything is going to be okay. Hold on, John. I am the Messiah. I am the one. Don't be discouraged because I still have power over the darkness of this world. I still have power over sin and sickness and disease. Even death hath no power over me. Rather than apologizing, which to me would make sense, this is the one who prepared the way for me, this is the prophet. Who prepared the way. In fact, he's the one who was the first to declare that I was the Lamb of God. And now in front of all these people, his disciples come to me with the question, are you really the Messiah? I could understand if Jesus in that moment would have said, now listen, we've got to have some compassion on our good brother and uh, we've just got to be understanding he has this moment of doubt. No, that's not what Jesus did. It was in that moment that Jesus said, no greater prophet has ever been been born from a woman than John the Baptist, a great prophet. You know what he did? He didn't even acknowledge that moment of weakness. He said, he's still the prophet. I know he's still there. I know John is still in there, even though he's going through a moment. I see, I see the hand of God is still on his life. Lift up your hands all over this building right now as the musicians come. As they get ready. Go and tell John. Go and tell him. All of those things. I think Jesus was demonstrating a lot of things to John. One of the things I want you to notice is that I believe Jesus was demonstrating that. Although we may be weak. He is always strong. Our faith may have highs and lows, but Jesus is still on the throne. No matter where you find yourself, Jesus is still the Lord of all. If you're in a storm and you're afraid and you cry out, wake up, Jesus! You may have fear in your heart, but Jesus is still the master Of the storm. Whatever valley you find yourself in, He's still the Lord of all. Stand with me as I close with this final thought. So many things I'd love to say, but I want to leave you with this thought. Thank you for preaching with me tonight. I feel like I've been preaching very specifically. This message, if this message hasn't been specifically for your heart then I'm asking you in these next few moments to just pray you may not know their name but pray in the spirit for your precious brothers and sisters who may be finding themselves in a moment of discouragement and they need somebody to love them and pray them through it what I find most interesting about this entire story and the entire exchange is that Jesus did not go personally to visit John in prison. Instead, he did what he still does today, 2,000 plus years later got a hold of a messenger a willing vessel he said come here I want to use you to take a message of faith come here I want you to go back Tell my, tell my cousin, tell that great preacher. I've healed the sick. I've raised the dead. All of these things. Encourage him with these words. So I'm preaching to two people tonight. I'm preaching to a John the Baptist, somebody who loves the Lord, but you're discouraged right now. You need a messenger of hope. And I'm also preaching to a messenger tonight. God wants to anoint somebody here to be a holy vessel that could carry words of faith and encouragement that would lift up a brother or sister who finds themselves in a dark place. I don't know which place you find yourself in tonight. But if you're John the Baptist and you need to come and be encouraged, I'm inviting you. But also, if you're somebody who's willing to say, here I am, Lord. Use me to be a vessel of faith that can lift up a brother and sister in their time of need. Would you step out by faith tonight and come to this altar? we come and bow our heads to the Lord God wants to anoint some of you God wants you to be an encourager not a discourager come on I pray that God would get somebody words of wisdom words of wisdom and sprinkled in I know there's some Johns I I, I don't want to embarrass you and I'm not going to call you out but I wonder if you would come and be encouraged in the Lord the Holy Ghost wants to minister to you right now even in your valley moment, even in a place of discouragement. Come and lift your hands and let the Holy Ghost minister to you. Come on, somebody, stretch out your hands. That's it, that's it, that's it. See, that's, it. that's it, that's beautiful. I I feel the comforter, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is our comforter. He's coming into this place.